Today on Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet, Wrecking Ball, the Hey everybody, you're listening to Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet, the only podcast on the internet where we used to talk about Bruce Springsteen songs in alphabetical order. We don't anymore. We're talking about the records in chronological order. I'm JB Clark, joined as always by Rob Carmack. Rob, what's up? JB, we are... It's an interesting time, right? Because since the last time we recorded, oh. there's been a development in the new releases category. That's right. There's there is a new single, which some people were bummed out about, and like it's just it sounds like an E Street Band song. So whatever. Yeah. Um, it's it sounds like an E Street Band song. <laughs> you know, like it's better than almost all of the 90s records. <laughs> I mean, it's a gift from the gods in 2020. Yeah, it's good. It's a good song. It is. It's fun. So, so yeah, so we have a new single, a new album that is forthcoming in October, which means, which is exactly why we elected for season two to be an album by album review so that we could give Bruce time to put out new material so that we could go back through and catch the Western Stars material, the mm-hmm. uh, some of the stuff from the chapter and verse that, that he put out. And so knowing that he was probably going to put something out this year. And I'm, I got to say, JB, our patience has been rewarded. So now, officially, we can start a third season with new material. We can. And I'm pretty stoked about it. Yeah, I'm pumped about it too, man. I'm yeah. ready. I'm so ready. We'll do that. We get to talk about some good stuff. And I'm I'm pumped about a new record coming out, but I'm, I'm also pumped about just getting to talk about new songs that I've been listening to for a while that I like. Yeah, so. me too. It's going to be good. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about hitchhiking. About I'm talking about hitchhiking. <laughs> man, I'm, I'm just I want to talk about hitchhiking. <laughs> I want to. And we will. We definitely will. We'll yeah. talk about all, all of them from, from A to Z. So uh, anyway, so yeah, we, we, we've got that coming up. So for those who have been asking, like, what are our plans now that there's definitely a new E Street Band record coming, then that's, that's the plan. We'll wait till the album comes out. Then when the time is right, we'll start the third season, and we'll, we'll go back through, and we'll vacuum up all the songs that we didn't get on the first go-round. So uh, that is the plan. But today, JB, that's not what we're doing. Today, as you mentioned yeah. in the opening, we're talking about the album Wrecking Ball, which came out on March the 6th. 2012 on Columbia Records. JB, do you want to know what other albums came out in 2012? I figured you'd tell me. I will. We can go through them kind of quick. But here, here's here's what else came out in 2012. We have, you're going to like this, The Carpenter by the Avett Brothers. Oh, it's a good record. I might go so far as to say it's my favorite Avett Brothers record. Um, I come back to it more than I uh, expected to. It's the one that I've put it, like, kept on repeat the most of all my Avett Brothers records, but I don't know that it's my favorite. It's it's a complicated, it's, I need to work on it. It's a very good record. Uh, yes. Then there's Babel uh, from Mumford and Sons. My my head is an animal from of monsters. Is it Babel or is it Babel? Uh, they they say Babel in the song. They pronounce it Babel. Okay, 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 okay. Um, okay. I'm just I'm going by what they what they say. Okay. Um. So my head is an animal from of monsters and men. Port of Morrow by the Shins. Boys and Girls by Alabama Shakes, which was they, their debut album. That was a big year. Um. Some nights by Fun. That was that a record, year. dude. That was that was that that whole thing was an event. I didn't think it was as good as their first record, but they tapped into a vein, dude. Yeah, they did. I mean, and it it really kind of made you know uh, Jack Antonoff a, a really big deal. Like it it kinda, it yeah. started a lot of things. That record. it somehow made Nate less of a big deal and Jack more of a big deal, which yeah. I didn't understand. And I think it's because Nate went on and released the, their their third record as himself <laughs> without Jack. And, yeah, without and, the rest of the band. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah you, What's the other guy's name? The third guy? From, I don't know. Um, he was in um, Onothalo. There, there's a few. 
That's the three main guys that have been in the band the whole time. Yeah, I don't know. Um, then you've got uh, Fiona Albums or Fiona Album, Fiona Apple's most recent album until this year, which was called. I'm not. I'm not, not even going to say the full name of this record, but it. The opening words are "The Idler Wheel is Wiser," and then it's like a yep. whole like paragraph is the title. Yes, um, not nearly as catchy as "Fetch the Bolt Cutters," but I, the, which is the a album, great record title. It is, uh, but the Idler Wheel is is a is a really good album. It's just a really long and complicated title. So then uh, there's. I hand- love that "Fetch the Bolt Cutters" in a in a normal year would have been a, a record about breaking in, mm. but this year was a record about breaking out. Yeah. It was good, man. I'm I'm excited. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Uh, then there's handwritten by Gaslight Anthem, North by Matchbox Twenty, Who's Feeling Young Now by the Punch Brothers, Night Visions by Imagine Dragons, Born and Raised by John Mayer, Lonerism by Tame Impala, Born to Die by Lana Del Rey, Blunderbuss by Jack White, your favorite. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. Uh, Tempest by Bob Dylan, Red by Taylor Swift. Uh, let's see, Pink Friday by or Pink Friday. Colon, Roman Reloaded by Nicki Minaj, Blown Away by Carrie Underwood, Believe by Justin Bieber, God Forgives, I Don't by Rick Ross, Away from the World by Dave Matthews Band, The Truth About Love by Pink, Girl on Fire by Alicia Keys, Unapologetic by Rihanna, and the number one selling album of 2012 was the Adele album 21. It's a good record. It, I mean, it was definitely her breakout record. It's the one with like Rolling in the Deep. Yeah. Um, there were other songs that weren't rolling in the deep but anyway that 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 album was massive that was a, that was a huge the, album um there. born and raised that john mayer record was like the theme song for me in april's dating uh uh whirlwind courtship really the song um what's the name of that song it was her ringtone for me for a long time i don't know i i had dropped off of john mayer by then so I, I, oh I that was such a good record um this is the one that he wrote like after he realized that he had like kind of gotten shitty and just got a cabin <laughs> in Montana. Mm. Shadow Days is the song. My Shadow Days are over is the song that um, it, I'm a good man, had a good, have a good heart, had a tough time, had a rough start, but my Shadow Days are over. That was like April's theme song for me. <laughs> oh, that's nice. It's a really good song <laughs> record though. Well, so those are all the albums, or not all, but those those are all albums that came out in 2012, which was the same year that Bruce Springsteen released Wrecking Ball. So the basic facts uh, involved in this album are, one, this is the first E Street Band album recorded after the death of Clarence Clemens, which makes it a yeah. pretty big deal, because I, I think there was a lot of speculation that the E Street Band could not continue without Clarence, that there, there really was no E Street Band without Clarence. And I mean, a lot of that comes from the mythology that Bruce himself kind of built up when he would talk about Around the origins like, of the East Street yeah. Band. Like, the, the, the big entire, man joins the band. Yeah, like all of 10th Avenue Freeze Out is about like how important it was when the big man joins the band. And so the loss of Clarence Clemens, I think for a lot of people felt like, well, that this may be the, at the very least, it's, it's going to be the end of the recording life of the E Street Band as it, as it, as it is. But um, but anyway, they, they decided to go ahead and proceed with this record. And in fact, there is, posthumously, there are some, there is at least one recording of Clarence on this record. Uh, which we'll we'll talk about when we get to it. This is also Bruce's first album with producer Ron Aniello, who continues to be Bruce's co-producer. Um, and something I learned today was that... Yeah, he does uh, a great job. He does, yeah. They, they seem to have a really good working chemistry. Uh, I, it turns out Brendan O'Brien recommended and introduced Ron Aniello to Bruce Springsteen. So it wasn't like, I'm tired of Brendan O'Brien, I need to find some new blood. It was like Brendan O'Brien kind of like intentionally passed the torch to Ron Aniello yeah. after uh, the and, completion and they, of Working on a Dream. Their styles aren't 
like wildly different from each other as far as the finished product. They, especially with whatever it is that Bruce has been trying to do in this decade, it, it seems like they they have a lot of just natural compatibility. Uh, so yeah, he, I, he, he, they've been running AL has been a really good fit for Bruce in the in the twenty tens. Um, I would okay. So the album received generally positive reviews. Uh, Rolling Stone magazine raved about it, gave it five stars because of course they did. And for the most part, I, I think most most of the reviews were middle middling to positive. Yeah. Uh, the the song "We Take Care of Our Own" w- was the first single that w- was released. They performed it to open the Grammys that year. It was a really just, they 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 rolled it out as, as strongly as they could. Um, the album debuted at number one in sixteen different countries. It was Bruce's tenth album to release or to reach number ten, which ties him with uh, Elvis Presley for the third most number one albums of all time. The only two artists that are ahead of them are the Beatles and Jay Z. I bet that made him happy to tie Elvis. I bet it did. I bet that was really nice. Uh, total sales for this album in the U.S. are not as impressive as you might assume for a Bruce Springsteen album. The total sales in the U.S. for this album are reportedly 506,000. So it isn't officially certified as gold or platinum. Um, now, like worldwide, he it's sold about a million and a half copies officially. Yeah, and it's had less time than a lot of the records. And it's also, it was released sort of, 2012 was a weird time for music. Well, and it's it was right at the tail end of when people were buying music in album form, right? Like, so this yeah. this really was the first album that Bruce put out in the full-blown, everybody streaming and buying one song at a time world. Well, 2012 is like when Spotify came to the U.S. for like big time music fans who had, it was like invitation only, you know what I mean? But it's the time that like streaming became legit. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah it, it went mainstream. Big, yeah. It's, it, it's a thing that was like, cause before it was like, it was like Napster, right? It was, it was underground. Right. They was weren't the, measuring it. Yeah. Correctly for the new world of digital yet. So, uh, <clears throat> not to say that it, it, I mean, it definitely didn't as perform as well as a lot of the other records, just, you know, given, given it, I think it performed. I think it probably did a little bit better than than the records would tell. Like you know, seven fifty. Well, yeah. I mean, and, and like like we said, like it debuted at number one. It, it um it sold. It did well. Like it it wasn't it wasn't considered a flop by any means by the standards of two thousand and twelve. But it was just like you said. It was just it, it it came out at a time where album sales in general began to sort of drop off in in lieu of like streaming and um, a la carte singles downloading. You know. Yeah. So yeah. like I mean and again like Adele like twenty one like that sold that was the that was the number one album of the year but at the same time like um th- there just weren't as many al- like albums just are not hitting platinum and gold like they used to be at this point yeah so yeah um, now JB this this album also happens to be pretty special because this was your first Bruce Springsteen album correct well yeah it was the first one that like was mine you know like I owned. As you know, emotionally, like I emotionally owned, you know. Yeah. Um, I I'd listened to all the early stuff for sure. I hadn't listened to any of the, um, anything after Tunnel of Love probably though. Um, and and then I, I listened to this just nonstop for a while because I'd gotten back into the first record when I moved to Memphis, just being a you know a young person out in the town. That was sort. of my theme song and then and then I, you know just because i had just gotten into that i found out this record came out through probably through spotify at the time because I, I just got into it and used to they would notify you every time a new record from someone you followed came out and um i mean it floored me and listening to everything else through the lens of this just 
because I was so disaffected. You know, I was a journalist who had graduated in 2010 from college and was working for like just pennies. But at the same time, like living and being happy and covering politicians who were embezzling hundreds of thousands of dollars and who were supposed to be the adults in the room, you know, and that's when this record came out. I remember covering two giant, like really high profile um, fraud and embezzlement cases from elected officials who, who I had respected before. And I was just living in this really conservative county just south of Memphis, which is like this, you know, really underserved community. And and then I hear this record and I hear we take care of our own first. And I'm just like, yeah, this this is this is an absolute indictment and also the most hopeful thing I've ever heard. Yeah. So and then easy money didn't bum me out. I was like, yeah, let's go take that money back. Let's go out on the town. Let's get up to something. Yeah. You know, well, and, and then it just didn't stop. Yeah. And which really gets to kind of what, what we've been sort of pursuing for this whole series, which is what is the thesis statement of the album as a whole? And and, and the thesis statement here, I would say, and JB, feel free to, uh, you know, correct me if, if you hear something different. But to me, the thesis statement of this record is the system that was supposed to support the most vulnerable citizens in our midst is failing. Or is specifically failing certain groups of people and certain individuals, and so this not like, only is it failing them, it, it's harming them. The yeah. system designed to help them is harming them because it turns out it was designed to harm them. Yeah, it, it, yeah, the harm is not a bug; it's a feature, and we just didn't realize yeah. it. And and um, like, and we've talked about magic a lot, and and magic was mostly it, it was also an album that was born out of frustration. Magic was mostly born out of about the frustration of specifically the presidential administration at the time, the George W. Bush administration, um, then tangentially also like the war in Iraq and trying to return to the moral center of like the American promise. That was Bruce's point of frustration in 2007. Um, Wrecking Ball though, by contrast is less about one specific group or like an administration. And and in fact, it it comes out in the middle of like at the beginning of the second term of Obama's second term. If you're Obama and you hear this record from a guy you respect, uh, as a, like a political commentator, do you kind of think like, ah, oh, shit? <laughs> no, I, I think I think Obama I, I think Obama would say that he agrees with this album. I, I think a lot of the things yeah. that made Barack Obama so frustrated, specifically with kind of like the stonewalling in the Senate, I th- I think he would say like Mitch McConnell maybe needs a copy of this album. You know what I mean? Right. Well, and Barack and 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 Bruce were friends. You know, not yes. our, our friends now, and we're friends before this probably, but have become greater friends. Since then, uh, Barack has mentioned some of these things, you know, in his speeches, not song titles, but you know what I'm talking about? Like, I don't think he disagrees with it at all. I think he 100% agrees with the entire thing. You know what I mean? I think he would line at it on it. Well, I think, yeah, I think I think when it came out, he was probably like, because Bruce has a record about a lot of presidents. And whenever you're a guy who's president and there's a musician who you agree with who's been critical of a lot of presidents, writes a, you know, he kind of writes the record that is like, this is what the temperature of the country is right now. Like, we're camp, the climate of the country. We're doing a campus climate report right now at Ole Miss. And so it's like that. It's like, this is the climate. So I'm not saying that I think he disagrees with it, but I'm just saying, like, if I, you know, like, if, if, if I was president and my buddy Tyler, uh, that I talk about on here all the time, put out a record that I fully agreed with, but like, you know, I'm president. I'd be like, oh, man, I was kind of hoping you would be more pumped about me and less less bummed about. I'm glad you're bummed about that stuff. But, you know, I was kind of hoping there'd be a happy song on here about how I'm doing something right. Well, and the, the thing is, though, also, like 
this album comes out in March of 2012, and the election is in November. And Bruce did some campaign events with Barack Obama yeah. for the re-election and performed some of these songs. So it, 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 um, I doubt, I doubt he received these as. I mean, he he seems like a pretty thoughtful guy, so I'm I'm sure like these yeah. songs. No, affected I don't him. received him as personal critiques. I think that he identifies with with the line about the shotgun shack of the Superdome. Yeah. Like the you know like we had to take care of our own. I think he fully uh, I, I agrees. I just, you know, if you're like, oh, the guy who puts out a record about the climate's putting a record out, and I'm president, this is going to, I'm excited. And you put it on, you're like, well, this is, this is a lot more thoughtful than I thought I was going to have to be right now. Well, and also, like, because, because magic was about, uh, cr- critiquing an administration and so like this is is an album like the administration is gone the problem that i was trying to solve in 2007 has at least at face value seemingly been at least temporarily solved we could not have predicted the donald trump of it all but like in 2012 right. it was like we are we are on we are on an incline now and so the question yeah. becomes not like who do we need to remove from power the question is like now that we have people with good faith who have some amount of power what kinds of ideas do we need to be putting in front of everybody? You know, and so it, it is almost like the next set of questions after Magic. You know, it is. It absolutely is. I love that it's it's an absolute sequel. You know, mm-hmm. I love that. I mean, that's why I, that's the number one reason that I'm more bummed out about High Hopes than I should be is because hearing that the record is called High Hopes is coming out like makes me think it's going to be the third record right. in the trilogy. And like American Beauty is <laughs> hey blue eyes notwithstanding you know? yeah yeah <laughs> well yeah and american beauty and mary mary and yeah mary. i mean like it is it's it's the american beauty is like if he had released a devils and dust style uh record after after um wrecking ball you know? yeah yeah so yeah, th- this is what you should have done. This is why I don't like high hopes. Well, and, and quite frankly, like the the one like the the crown jewel in the Obama administration in the Obama legacy is the um, the Affordable Care Act, right? Like the 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 movement towards getting as many people on health insurance as possible. And right. I would say like this this album is in a lot of way a cry to do something like that. You know what I mean? Like so yeah, absolutely. So it it does sort of seem in sync with what like. At face value, at least, what what the administration was trying to do, and of course, you could have. I'm sure there are people out there who are listening who could have all sorts of commentary about like whether or not it was successful, whether or not it was um, misguided, or like however you feel about the Affordable Care Act. Like that was like the impetus of the idea was too many people are dying of preventable causes, and if we right. had if, if we had the means, we could maybe help people get access to doctors, you know, and like, that's, that seems like a pretty noble thing to do. And a lot of this album is like, is basically saying like, there's lots and lots of people who we say we care about, but they're vulnerable and they're at risk and we're doing nothing to help them, you know? It's and safe so, that ain't safe. Yeah, exactly. And so this, yeah. this album, this, at least the, the first, the album is broken up into two halves. And, it, and the, the first half is basically giving a, a name and a voice to all the different vulnerable populations. And then the second half of the album is almost like a defiant call back from that group of people saying you have not crushed us yet. Like beginning with the song wrecking ball going to the end of the album, which is we are, we are, we are crushed, but not destroyed, you know? And so it is sort of like a call and response from side one to side two a little bit. Yeah. Um, so that said, do you want to, do you have any other sort of initial thoughts here? Do, should we get into the track by track? Let's do it, baby. All right. So track one, side one, the opening song, we take care of our own.
And it just comes right out of the gate, like this is gonna rock. Yeah. But then it, but then it kind of slows down a little bit with when the rhythm guitar comes in. You know. Yeah. It doesn't actually slow down, but just the the rhythm guitar is a little dampening to the. You know, it sounds like it's gonna be maybe a metal record for the first five seconds. But then Max comes in on the drums and he's like, "Nah, baby, it's gonna be an E Street record." And it just really puts you at ease, you know. With yes. the piano and the chimes and the and the just this orchestrated rock and roll experience, you know, and then it drops out for the first verse. It's just a little bit of piano, Bruce singing and a bass drum. Yeah. And and that is so good. Yeah, th- this is and that is that is and it's it's a perfect thesis, you know, it it is a great thesis statement for the rest of the album. And, and it does, it articulates like the, the vulnerable population here is anyone who is hurt by unforeseen circumstances, anyone who is vulnerable, anyone who is at risk from hurricanes or economic decline or I don't know, a pandemic and, um, and who we say we care about. We give a lot of like voice to our concerns, but at the end of the day, we've like not lifted a finger to help. And like this song is not a triumphant boast. Like you said before, it's an angry lament. I think a lot of people heard this song initially and they thought it was like a rah, rah America song. And that's not what it is. This is born in the USA part two. That's exactly what it is. Not unlike born in the USA. It is a song that people hear and they're like, this sounds a little fist pumpy. And then when you read the lyrics, it's like, no, this is articulating all the ways that we should have been there for people. But we weren't from the shotgun shack to the Superdome. When I first listened to it, I thought it was my first thought was like, this is a scathing indictment. It yeah. is sarcastic. You know, like the, the song title is so sarcastic. And the fact that it's such a fist pumpy song made me really think about like Born in the USA is the most genius piece of anti-propaganda ever made. You know what I mean? Like it's it is perfect as like a work of living graffiti. Um, and this I, I at first I just thought was just a really sarcastic, you know, song. And then I realized that it's it's also just a call to action, a super hopeful song. And that's what, you know, like that's what defiant art is. That's what good graffiti is. That's what, you know, that it's about being uh, to talk. It's about talking about what you despise and what you aspire to be in the same breath. I'm sorry I, I, I stuttered on that for so long. I was trying to I was thinking about this one piece of graffiti, the diversity piece in um, in Memphis that. I just kept coming back to it. Uh, anyway, sorry. <laughs> yeah, so it is. It, it is. It is a calling. It. It, it is a challenge. It, it is an invitation to embody the values that we all claim to believe in. Right. It's. It's basically yeah. saying to people like, you tell me you are concerned about the well-being of frontline medical workers or people living in towns that are vulnerable to like hurricanes. Okay, I hear I, I I accept your thoughts and prayers prayers, but I also am inviting you to do the next thing and send resources and like spend time asking what do the people of this in this place and in this time need? You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it is it is a way of saying like it's great if we say that we believe in helping people who need help and in concern. But the thing is, if we're not doing anything about it, what good is it? Because if with this ideology, we take care if you if, if I have this ideology, we take care of our own, you know, and if I don't, yeah. if we don't take care of our own, then we don't actually hold that ideology. It's calling it's calling people to embody the values that they say that they believe. 
Well, and I love that, like, uh, these examples, there's not a ton of examples, and it really is Katrina heavy. And I was there at the, you know, I wasn't in New Orleans, but I was on the escape route, and I, you know, took a couple weeks off of my senior year to work at um, some shelters in town. And and um, the thing about that reference to me, it, and the reason it rings so true, and that's the, you know, the first, tra- the first verse, I'm thinking, like, wow, scathing is this, and I'm pumped. And then I hear that, and I think, oh, my God. He's not saying that he's, it's not just sarcastic um, because this example is a time that we did take care of our own because we had to, but also because we do. So why, why should our leadership not be held to that same responsibility as us? Because they work for us. Yeah. You know? And so like, yeah, we take care of our own when the Calvary stays home. We do. Mm. Um, Wherever this flag is from, we do. But, our leadership, it's time for them to, too, because the road of good intentions has gone dry as a bone. And I love that, that like he didn't, he didn't use the actual phrase. Was it, um, paved the to hell. path that the hell is paved with good intentions. Yeah. And, and yeah, the road of good intentions is dry. We're just, we're just fucking going to hell now. Yeah. <laughs> good hearts turned to stone. Um, and he's just trying to get home, just trying to find a map that leads him home. And, and that's, that's the song is just, um, the way he is screaming, where's the promise from sea to shining sea, wherever this flag is flown, wherever this flag is flown. Like he's screaming that at the gates of Washington DC. Right. But he's also like there with all of these other people who have taken like with nurses and with frontline workers and with firefighters and you know, the good, like he's there were the people who have been fighting the good fight who were saying like we do take care of our own so where's like why are you not responding to the promise you know and that's to me seeing that yes yes we are so infuriated by these like 500 white men right and they're not doing the right thing but a lot of us are and that's really hopeful and you have to think that maybe that number of us is growing faster than the number of them, right? There has to, what's that Jason Isabel lyric? There has to be more of us than them. Yeah. And I, I think that's what this song's about. It's like, if we all sing this, a few people are going to like quit singing because they're going to feel convicted and you, but you're going to still hear a lot of voices because they have done their part. Absolutely. Sorry. All right. Then we, no, this is maybe my favorite song. It's a great song. So then we move into track two, which is easy money. You put on your coat, I'll put on my hat. You put out the dog, I'll put out the cat. You put on your red dress for me tonight, honey. We're going on the town now, looking for easy money. There's nothing to it, This was officially this was the first song that was written for this batch for this album. So he, he's off to a good start, I would say. If this is if this is yeah. the first thing he wrote, so and this is a long tradition of getting dressed and getting up to have good songs that Bruce Springsteen writes. We talked about some on the Promise. Yeah, 
well, and I mean, for sure on like Atlanta or uh, Nebraska, the river. So like the album theme, it's this, this song is probably one of the less overt songs as far as it goes to like the overall theme. It's not as overt as most of the other songs, but it does right. sort of demonstrate how people feel like they need to live outside of the law in order to make any kind of decent living. Not unlike Atlantic City, you right. know, like I've got debts that no honest man can pay. And so it's like we're going to we're going to make a game out of it. We're going to go and we're going to we're going to do some crimes, we're going to hurt some people because that's that's how you make money in the big city. Yeah. You know. Well, and then there's a line like cuz the whole world around you's crumbling down. I love the and the guitar's like wow 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 wow, you know, like a street cat just like Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, this this song is so good. Uh there's it's it's not it's not rich like the last one is. It's just like uh <laughs> It's, it's fun and it's it's real full this is like the um the part of the protest this i mean this record is a march and this is the part of the march at the beginning where the first part's like everyone's passionate and this is the part where like and we all agree and we're getting some exercise and we're out in the sun and we're kind of enjoying it you know there's like that moment where you're like oh there's a lot of us you know oh we look good you know we're gonna do something today and that's what this song is like it's like let's do it. Uh, and there's a lot more reckoning to, to come, but you know, you're kind yeah. of excited when everybody shows up. Yeah. It, hey, it is. the first record, the first song is like, Hey, we're going to take care of everybody here. So everybody come over here. And if, if you're not going to come over here, jokes on you because we're going to burn your shit down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then the next song's like, all right, here we go. <laughs> which leads us to track three, which is shackled and drawn. Great morning light. Like, this is how the systems tie us down. Like, how we cannot rise up if we are being prevented from rising up. Well, and the, the specifically, it's about work. It's like the vulnerable population in Shackled and Drawn is about the unemployed and the underemployed. Like, so, yeah. it because it talks about, like, let a man work, keeps the devil gone. Like, the, the whole thing is about, like, you know, you, I mean, I've, I've been hearing this a lot during the pandemic. Like, I, I had a conversation with somebody not too long ago where they were talking about like how the relief package was about to run out or like, you know what I mean? Like unemployment was the, the amount of unemployment that people could receive was about to get like go to drop. And the person I was talking to who, by the way, has lost no money in the middle of this pandemic. This person said, well, if you keep paying people to not go to work, then no one's going to want to go to work. And I could have just like, (laughs) just wrung that person's neck. You know what I mean? Like, because like, look, I know lots of people who have lost, who have lost hours, who have lost their jobs, who are on unemployment. And if you gave them the choice to go to a safe working environment or to stay yeah. home and continue collecting this, they would take less money and go to work because there is, there is a certain amount of pride and resilience that comes from being able to go to work that most people feel. And the reason people are like, I would, re- even if you take away the unemployment, I still don't want to go to work. It's, be- it's not because people are lazy. It's because they don't want to get sick and die from a disease that they're not insured to get treated from the job, you know what I mean? Like, if you got somebody yeah, working in a meatpacking plant, yeah, if you got somebody working in a meatpacking plant for minimum wage and you don't provide health insurance and they can't have sick days, then yeah, they're probably going to want the unemployment. You know what I mean? And so it's not like 
Yeah. It's not a question of lazy or not lazy. It's a question of like, are we are we taking care of our own or are we just telling I people have, to get back to work? I have all of that safety net and a job that I like and I want to go to work and I can't because like the last two weeks, a bunch of fraternity people decided to just like do rush in person and take a lot of pictures and not wear masks. And it's like, I'm not going to work. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to kill people or like endanger my family or the people that my family interacts with to go to work. I'm going to do this from home. You know, like, and if they're like, you have to come in, I'd be like, I'm going to take the day off. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, th- this yeah. is a, this is a song about, like, no, I want to go to work. It's it's not a question of, like, do I or yeah. don't I, a- am I or am I not willing to work? It's a question of, like, can I survive on the job that I have? You know, can I, can I work enough and can I make enough money as much as I work? Is it possible that I still won't be able to, or, to like, support myself, you know? Can I continue to receive the support that I get from the system and also go to work? Or am I required to jump through a whole bunch of hoops that don't let me maintain a real job? Oh, I woke up this morning shackled and drawn. And, like, that's a crazy image, you know? Like, you went to bed last night, and then you just woke up this morning shackled, shackled and drawn, which is painful, you know? <laughs> it's a horrible way to live. Well, right. Bruce has said he specifically designed this song to sound reminiscent of um, 19th century, like, slave songs, you know, yeah. spirituals from, from the American South. And, like, because... And not not to not to directly compare those two ideas or that like the underemployed are the same as like people who were enslaved in the pre-Civil War South. But the idea that the the feeling of being um, being powerless against your situation and that every day you work as hard as you possibly can and you still have to wonder tomorrow if you're going to be able to feed your family. Like there's a certain amount of like fear and desperation that comes from that. Like, it, it is dehumanizing. You know, and so he wanted to sort of connect those two sort of emotions is, is how he sort of explains it. Yeah. You know, um, but it, it's it, it's a great it's a great working song. You know what I mean? Like this is this may mm-hmm. be my favorite song on the record. It's it's just it's really, really good. Speaking of working songs, next track, Jack of All Trades. I'll mow your lawn, clean the leaves out your dream. I'm in your room. Keep out the rain I'll take the work That God provides I'm a jack of all trees This song pairs really well with Shackled and Drawn because the, the vulnerable yeah. population, once again, is the underemployed. It's it's kind of a predictor almost of the current like gig economy that we are all sort of witnessing right now. Yeah, it is. Um, because it's like I've got. I, I'll mow your lawn. I'll do. I'll, I'll clean out your drain. You know. I'll. I'll drive your Uber. <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll. Uh, you know. I'll yeah. pick up your groceries. I'll write your content. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll make your thing. I'll make your thing. Yeah, I'm just an app developer or a website developer, but I'll I'll take your dumb idea and turn it into a whole business for you. I just, I just c- couldn't help but think about all the teachers that I know who also like drive for Uber or like wait tables on the weekends. Yeah, you know, like yeah, yeah. That's that's not okay. We should probably all be yeah. a lot more upset about that than we are. Yeah, especially now. So yeah, and and so this is another song that sort of is it gives voice to the lament of people who are working as hard as they possibly can and are still just barely making it. And it doesn't yeah. hurt at all that there's a Tom Morello guitar solo. Not at all. And it is such a soft just piano arpeggios the whole way through and then just like Tom Morello just <laughs> ripping it open. Um I wrote this song 
in like 2012 too, and sure. I didn't realize it. And uh, I'll have to send it to you sometime. I, <laughs> it doesn't sound like this, but it's like I can't put the song up. I, I wrote out. <laughs> I, you know, it's funny. I also wrote a song exactly like this in 2012. I called it "Person of All Jobs." <laughs> That was my. Oh, that was the song that I wrote. I love that. Uh, we'll care for each other, like Jesus said that we might. Or you know, I'll pull your engine apart piece by piece until it's. I don't remember. It's just like this song is covered in like oil grease. This song is is like your hands right before you get some gojo. You know, mm-hmm. after you change the oil, it's just this song is sung by a guy in a coverall. Well, and once, once again, calling people to embody the values that they say they believe, you know, like don't, don't, yeah. you know, don't, don't walk around telling me how like Jesus matters so much to you and then like sleep, sleep like perfectly well at night, knowing that the person who mowed your lawn is starving to death, you know, like that's a, there, there's some dissonance there that we should uh, probably deal with. Like the last thing he says he'll do is like, I'll take your engine apart piece by piece, which is a hard thing to do, you know, mm-hmm. like that's what... People who can build an engine by hand, like that's a that's a job, you know. That's a, it's a that a lot of people can't do, you know. Like it's it's an in demand uh, career, not like a trade. But the first thing he says is, "I'll mow your lawn," mm-hmm. you know. So like this song starts off with desperation, and it begin becomes more desperate as you hear more lyrics that you understand. Oh, this is not a person who just mows lawns. This is a person who could do any, you know any number of jobs. Um, who's willing to come here and just like cut my grass for 20 bucks and try and buy groceries for his family this week. Yeah, man, it's a, it, this is a really good song and it really brings it like after it, we take care of our own easy money, shackled and drawn the, the record's moving at a pretty steady clip. And so Jack of all trades is a nice sort of like reprieve. It's kind of like a breath, even though it's very heavy. It, it like, it changes the, the mood for a minute, you know? Well, and it goes really nicely into death of my hometown because it's got, it's got like that heavy floor tom thing. Yes, uh, track five. Track five is "Death to My Hometown." Oh, no cannonball did fly, no rifles cut us down. No bombs fell from the sky, no blood soaked the ground. No powder flash blinded the eye, no deathly thunder sound. But just as sure as the hand of God, they brought death to my hometown. They brought death to my hometown. Just bass, drum, and claps for a little bit, and snare, you know, and then the that holler, like that big, um, I don't even know what to call that. It's a, it's sing, it's a, it's people singing a holler in the round. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's great. <laughs> it's like tribal and spiritual and like Celtic. It's really uh, feels like a nice, um, like melting pot. And this is like a real Dropkick Murphys jam. Yeah, it's got deeply Irish infusion uh, going on here, and yep. it and it it does sort of get at that Irish, you know, like the working man Irish 
folk song like the and getting specifically going back to the question of like who's the vulnerable population represented in the song here it's communities that have been economically impacted and left behind by various factors yeah. i always think about walmart when i hear this song because i've seen like mm-hmm. multiple like small towns just be decimated by the by walmart moving in and just running all the small businesses out um but mm-hmm. like you see it it you see it more like all over the place, like Amazon or like all, all the, all the questions about like, yeah, when, when these big companies show up, like they bring stuff, but they also sort of, uh, in, in a lot of ways, they, they, they take as much as they give. And, you know, and the question of like, yeah. what, what is it like all the small towns that, that used to sort of be responsible for things like steel and textiles and, um, you know, just all, all these different things that used to sort of make up the backbone of, you know, rural America, now all of a sudden everything is being outsourced and everything's being sort of uh, consolidated in like larger, uh, you know, in various spaces. And so because uh, because a handful of people are getting very, very wealthy, one of the yeah. things that's happening is all these like small independent um, groups are or like businesses and companies and towns are, are sort of, you know, they're dying out. And that's this, this song is a, is a lament for those kinds of things. Well, I think what's different from this record and from like one of his older records is is that he he might have said you know you brought you you brought in this you know you consolidated these factories or whatever and and destroyed my town and and now he's saying and like that's fine if that's more efficient but you didn't pass on any of the benefits is kind of what this record is saying you know what i mean like yeah. it's not we're not saying that there's no progress we're saying that you you haven't shared it with us also i can you pick out a single one of the melodies from that thing from what thing the the oh yeah hey yeah, yeah the the stompy round can you pick out a single melody no i'm not that? listening to it right now though but i mean when you listen to it can you I like don't... have you when you sing along with it can you sing any one of those parts i don't i don't know I've, i don't I've really ever thought about I, it. I cannot i cannot pick one like I don't know. I can make I can make a lot of the sounds, you know. I just can't I can't pick out one single this person is saying this part for this minute. It's wild. Anyway, sorry. So this this is another really great. I mean, really the first the first, I, th- I think the first half of this song is just about perfect, or this f- the first half of this album is just about perfect. I I tend to respond a lot mm-hmm. more to the first half than I do to the second half, but the the ma- mainly because the first half is like so impenetrable. Good. It's just so, so so good. Um. Or not impenetrable, but you know, just like unimpeachable. So then, um, track six, yeah. you've got this depression. In the abandoned town, would never lift down. I've been lost, but never this long. This is my confession. I need your heart in this depression. Yeah, so far you gave Jack of All Trades a four and this depression a four, but everything else a five. Yeah, and I, I stand by that. Like those are, I mean, these are all. And you gave Wrecking Ball a four, which is such a garbage take. Well, let's we'll get to that when we get to it. So th- this depression. <laughs> okay. Uh, so this it, depression is a great, like he's keeping this ebb and flow going on, but um, yeah, death depression follows a death to my hometown. Yeah, it does. And God, this song. Uh, I've been lost, but never this lost. Uh, yeah, just that's sort of how each line starts. Like I've been, what are they? I've been 
down, but never this down. I've been lost. I've never this lost. Parallelisms. Yeah. Yeah. They're just. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's like the other day. Shep was. Uh, he has this on his Switch, Nintendo Switch. He has this coloring book, and uh, but it has a lot of shades and stuff in it. So like, if you color a turtle purple, it'll like make the nose a little bit darker than the cheeks. You know what I'm saying? Like you can see shades in it. So a, a little kid can make a beautiful picture. And so Shep has gone through and made all of his coloring books all black. And so you just see, like, looking at this picture sort of at night, you know? <laughs> and I was like, why'd you do this? And he was like, because this is dark, but it's not this dark. <laughs> and I was like, you are so emo. <laughs> <laughs> very spinal tap. And that's what this, yeah, very spinal tap. More black. I was telling somebody that story, and they were like, you've sang a Death Cab for Cutie song to him every night of his life. What do you expect? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is 100% true. <laughs> So depression here has kind of a double meaning. It it pertains both to economic despair and like the mental health of people who feel that de- despair. It's like the fir- the first well, even the- more than that. It's like the gray matter between the two. Yeah, it really is. It is and it's very cleverly used. And in fact, I was thinking as I was listening to this today, I was thinking like right now, like I've read probably a half dozen at least editorials or um, essays at, from the past six months about like the mental health struggles that are you know, popping up all over the place due to everything that's happening in the world right now, specifically the pandemic, but also just like all the economic fallout and hurricanes and, you know, people not being able to see their loved ones and like specifically like the amount of depression and mental illness that's showing up in like nursing homes where people are quarantined, have been quarantined since March in a lot of situations and haven't been able to be around their loved ones. And so what we're, what we're seeing now is, yeah, there's I mean, there's the fear of the virus and there's like people losing their jobs. And then at, in the midst of all of that, there's also lots and lots of people who are wrestling with all sorts of new mental health problems that either not unlike myself have probably been sort of neglecting for a long time yeah, or right. have been sort of triggered by all of these things. And so now in in the midst of all the other things, we're seeing like a major mental health crisis just beneath the surface. Yeah. And th- I think that's this song is sort of getting at that. Like, yeah, we're we're killing towns and we're we're hurting people and we're not showing support when we need to. And there's an economic fallout and there's a desperation that comes along with that, but also there's a mental health cost to that as well. And I, I like that Bruce takes a minute and kind of in, in a way kind of threads the line between those two points with this one particular song. Yeah. You know. It's a really good song. Also another Tom Morello uh solo. Oh dude, and at like two fifteen or whatever when he's doing those big squeals and then the band comes out of him with the big chord hits and chimes, it almost sounds like a, the um, Jason Isbell's band, the 400 unit or like a Zach Brown band or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. where it be, where it's like that crazy wild guitar squeal, but then it's just like this really nice, like Nashville scale, you know, situ- like the song just takes this weird, very Americana path. Yeah. You know? mm. Definitely. Uh, Anyway, so, and then... Track seven, Wrecking Ball. I was raised out of steelhead swamps in Jersey Some misty years ago Through the mud and the beer And the blood and the cheers i seen champions come and go So if you got the guts, mister If you got the balls You think it's your time then Step to the line and bring on your wrecking ball. Bring on your wrecking ball. Track seven, and this is where it's like time to 
you know, uh, we take care of our own. We talked about, you know, there, there's a couple of elements to it. Like we're calling out that there, we're not being taken care of, but now we're going to take care of ourselves. We're staying up for ourselves. And that's what this song's about. And it's also about um, the Meadowlands. It's about a football stadium, but it's also about America. Yeah. Well, and this is this is the turn, right? Like the first six songs yeah. on this record are the articulation of the plight of the vulnerable and the oppressed and the marginalized and all the different ways, all the different pains that people feel. And it ends that like that first half ends with this depression. Like it goes as low as it can possibly go. And then Wrecking yeah. Ball, here's where the whole album like turns on its heels. And it's mm. basically like that group of people looking back at all the places, all the people who have not helped them or have actually actively harmed them and have said, you don't get to destroy us. You don't get to have the final word here. And so the rest of this album is is a response of defiance against all the forces that caused the first six songs to need to exist. You know? Yeah. This is probably the moment in listening to that record where I was like, this is uh, bigger than a, than a record. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a movement. This is, yeah. Yes. And... It is, and it has been. You know, it's a prediction, but it's a call to arms, and and it's it's I can like 2012 is the time that people said the phrase "America's going to hell in a handbasket" the most in the history of the world. <laughs> and Bruce Springsteen's just saying like, okay, all right, fucking destroy it then. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> yeah, do it, Miss. You think you got the guts, Mister? Do you think you have the balls? All right, bring on your wrecking ball. Well, it, I mean, saxophone solo, you know, like it is. <laughs> we'll be over here. <laughs> it is very reminiscent, I think, of what we're seeing right now with a lot of like the protests, which is like how many times can a person be murdered on camera by a police officer? And and yet, like the more this happens, the stronger this movement becomes, you know, like the Black yes. Lives Matter move like five years ago. I- it, five years ago, you would never in in most neighborhoods near where I live, you would never see Black Lives Matter yard signs and bumper stickers. But now you do. Right. Like we've got one in our yeah, yard. We've signs got... on every street in my neighborhood with, you know, George, Marbury, Brianna, like just a list lists of names. Yeah. Well, and, and it's 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 a, a way of saying like the the system that has been trying to kill black people for generations has has done everything they can to make that a reality. And like this year in the midst of like the darkest time we've ever seen, you have seen the most amount of people who have risen up and said, this is unacceptable. We, we, we have to say something. And so like all of a sudden, like this, this has become a key issue in this presidential cycle. Right. Which, I mean, like, which four, eight years ago would have been unthinkable. So just that, like the more violence that um, that people have experienced, and the more they 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 feel pressed down upon, you you also have the, these voices from within that group saying, "No, you don't get to destroy us. You don't get to yeah. have that power." And so, um, and not to say it's easy, and this not to song... say, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Not to say that it's easy. No, yeah, not to say that it's easier that 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 it's a that it's an easy fight to win, but but that that it is almost like this massive movement of people saying, take your best shot. I mean, you've, you've already killed, you you continue to kill people and we haven't gone away. You know what I mean? So, um, bring on your wrecking ball. Somebody, somebody tweeted a flow chart this week that was like, uh, wait, so you think that murder is an acceptable response to 
economic disinflation to 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 um like uh crime but you don't think that like economic crime is a appropriate response to murder mm. you know yeah like you think that you can kill someone for stealing something small but you don't think that we can destroy something small <laughs> in return for you killing someone yeah like <laughs> i can just, kill you for like, selling cigarettes now. but don't don't you yeah. dare break my windshield yeah like that's right so yeah, yeah. The, the song it's it is absolutely and that this song is like we're standing up that we are you cannot destroy hundreds of years of progress and human innovation just because you got a bad feeling about somebody because of the color of their skin no sir they're not doing this whole melting pot thing anywhere else in the world and we're doing it right here and it's really going shitty but it's not even going anywhere else so we are gonna stand up yeah and we are gonna say bring on your wrecking ball so yeah th- this is yeah this is the defiant I song. turn yeah I, oh oh i know and it, it is it is a good song so then um we've got track eight which is you've got it no one ever found it ain't no school ever told it no one ever made it ain't no one ever bought it baby you've got it This song makes no sense at all. Different. The only way I can make it make sense on this record is like, you know, whenever you watch a movie where somebody is given a charge and they didn't think they could uh, come up to that charge, whether it's like a girl getting their feet back under movie or an army unlike the hero movie. Once they receive the charge next, you have like a montage of them making themselves look like the person they think they need to be. So they feel like they can achieve this charge, right? Like, do the thing. So it's, uh, maybe this is like them looking in the mirror and being like, you got it, you can do this, you got it, you can do this. Well, I mean... You know, like, you're a queen, you're a queen, you're a queen, do it, do it. Even (laughs) even Ron Aniello has said that this song is the only one that has nothing to do with the concept of the record. And I think he even refers to it as a palate cleanser. Which, to me, like, if you you needed a palate cleanser... But not like a palate cleanser that makes sense. This isn't like, like... eating sushi and then putting some ginger in your mouth and then trying a different sushi. This is like eating some sushi and then eating a Skittle <laughs> yeah. and then eating a steak. <laughs> I mean, that, that's, that's actually a pretty good metaphor for this because, because yeah. yeah, I mean, Oh, that's actually a pretty good metaphor. Most of your metaphors are real garbage, but <laughs> no, I don't know why I said that, that came out of nowhere. <laughs> anyway anyway but no i mean the thing is like he's kind of on a roll up through track seven like he's he's articulated the plight and the cry and then he's responded to it with wrecking ball and to me it's like okay now we're now we're cooking and then he drops in you've got it right when he gets to the thesis of the whole record like no man like get this song out of here get it out of the way only song on the record that we both gave threes to everything else has higher rating than this well and the only reason i gave it a three is because it's because we listen to it outside of the context of the record. Yeah. Outside the context of the, of the record, it's a three. It's fine. In the context yeah, of the record, like cool, this is a, well, this is a cool giant question mark. Like, I don't even understand what this is doing. Yeah. Here. If we had if we had done this these in chronological order, this song would be like a one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, because, again, he's on a roll. Even though it has cool guitar parts. Like, yeah. if, if you just grab this song and lift it right out of the album and leave everything the same. The album works so much better. This, this song is it's, it's in the way it's actively disrupting 
the narrative flow of the rest of the album. I don't understand this at all. It brings the whole record right under an hour, too. <laughs> and if you're thinking, wait, you've got it, and then the whole record, like, he derails it from there? Oh, no, he goes straight into Rocky Grant. Rise up, shepherd, rise up. Your flock is wrong, far from the hill. Stars have faded, the sky Angels are shouting glory and hallelujah. It's like he never lost focus. He just needed to play. You've got it. <laughs> that is, I don't know. This is one of this is the this is one of the most confusing tracking choices of Bruce's entire career in my mind. Like, do you, do you know what I do every morning when I walk into my son's room? What? I go, rise up, shepherd, rise up. <laughs> you do? Not every morning, but most of them. <laughs> is that a reference <laughs> to the next song on the list? Rocky Ground. Yeah, so track nine is Rocky Ground. Yeah. And this... Rise up, shepherd, rise up. And now we're back in the theme. Like, right, this, I mean, just like right in it, where we would have been after Wrecking Ball. It really is like we took like that. We got like, we had lost on on like a country road, and we found the interstate again, and now we're back at normal speed. Like, you've got it. Is the movie intermission from um, Monty Python and Search for the Holy Grail? Yeah, it just happens right at the end of the movie. That's, yeah, <laughs> and it's annoyingly long. It's so weird. So yeah, Rocky Ground. It's like this gospel infused uh, song. There's mm. a um, th- there's a rap part that uh, mercifully Bruce works. ended up not doing himself. Um, so who I, I think it was John Landau who who said like maybe Bruce doesn't need to be the one who does the rap. Which you know, wait, Bruce was doing it. Yeah, that that we, we talked so about glad it. Glad he's got lids around him. I know. I mean, I'm so glad <laughs> if he, he had whoever... done the rap. I wouldn't have liked this record. I would have been like, well, that negates. Everything <laughs> that undoes all the good work he's done. That would that's Stephen Curtis Chapman doing a duet with DC Talk. Oh my gosh! Is that would have been very bad. So I'm glad I'm glad oh. he ended up not doing that himself. So um so yeah this this is a good song. It, um it features some some um gospel uh, background vocals and mm-hmm. um it's it's very different um, musically from the rest of the record. And I think when we talked about this in our regular episode, we talked about how like for me this song on the album music sonically feels un like it, it feels kind of out of place but thematically it's right in the bullseye so like i'm, I'm willing to overlook same, it's got the same drums as the rest of the record though okay think about the um slowed down version of the the um but did be sort of in the right before the bridge mm-hmm. yeah it's it's at the beginning of we take care of our own. The drums sound like that. It's at the beginning of Easy Money. The drums sound like that. Yeah. It's at the beginning of Shackled and Drawn with the acoustic guitar. So it's it's on the whole record. Okay. So it's not it's not a whole. It's, it's not a little completely different. out of place. It's a little different, but it's 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 using stuff from everything else in the record. Yeah. yeah. Well, and and, it, and again, it does it, it does harken back to sort of the larger theme, which is like we are we are pressed down but not destroyed. You know, like the well, and it's like no, there's horns on the rest of the record, but they're nowhere near as like R and B. Yeah, it's the same horns, but they sound like, more like French horns. You know, on this song, they're just like a little smoother, a little weirder. Mm. So. 
Yeah. I love this song. Yeah, I, you're right. It is a little bit out of place, but I think it. I think it's if it. It might, it's like out of place for if you're like listening through it one time, but if you're coming back like the 40th time or you wrote all the songs, then it feels the same. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, I mean, like You've Got It is like musically probably more consistent with, with the album, but Rocky Ground is thematically more consistent. And if I have to choose one or the other, I'm going to keep Rocky Ground because at least it's saying something. At least it, at least it has a point of view. You know, yeah. and so like I'll I, I would rather have Rocky Ground and just be a little bit sonically confused than have you got it and just like fully just not care at all about what the song is trying to do. You know, well, so. but if you think about this and maybe that's why he put you got it on there, because it really had like it separates it because yeah. Rocky Ground does start like Rocky Ground flows into Land, Hope and Dreams very well. Rock, yes, it does. Land, Hope and Dreams starts with a gospel choir and that same sort of drum beat on a on a. um on a synth pad drum. Right. So track so track 10 is Land of Hope and Dreams. So Rocky Ground is is R&B and soulful, and you have a gospel choir at the beginning of Land of Hope and Dreams with that same snare beat, like that same high trap snare, and then it goes straight into, like straight into um, Dropkick Murphys again. So like it brings the whole thing back, but it also, this is where you introduce the gospel element, which is going to be on the rest of the record. Yeah, it, and that I guess that's true. Like Rocky Which Ground is, paired with Land of Hope and Dreams is kind of perfect. Like when you when you listen to with them side by side, alive, and then swallow it up in the belly of the well. Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves here. So I'm just saying, it's masterful. It is masterful. <laughs> well, and Land, Land of Hope and Dreams is one of the crown jewels of of this album. I, I th- yes. the the pillars of this album are just unbelievable. So like you. You know, you've got like we take care of our own. You've got then in the middle, you've got Wrecking Ball, and here towards the end, you've got Land of Hope and Dreams. Like that's that's an album right there. Just all just those yeah. three. So I'd say there's a few more pillars in there. Well, I'm just talking about like the the beginning, the middle, and the end, like the tent poles. You know what I mean? I guess you're right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So just um, but but so oh, oh uh, one really cool anecdote about Land oh, of Hope and Dreams. Am I, am I talking about this record? Have I been talking about this record, including bonus tracks, and you have been referring to it without bonus tracks? Uh, I mean, I have the bonus tracks in my notes, but when I think about okay. like the construction of the album is like thematically, I tend to sort of like yep. cut it off at the at the before the bonus tracks. But but Word. the bonus All tracks right, cool. are the the bonus tracks are are more. We'll, we'll get to it when we get to it. But the bonus tracks are I, I would say more significant here than they are on like Magic. But um, anyway, so. Uh, one one interesting sort of anecdote, a fun anecdote from this recording is that the sax, even though Clarence Clemens had already passed away by the time they were making this album, the saxophone here is spliced from a live recording with Clarence Clemens because they used to perform this song live long before they recorded this album. And Bruce did not know that the isolated sax track existed until they were mixing the song. And he told Ron Aniello when they were in the booth and they were mixing it, he said to Ron Aniello, he said he was really sad that they couldn't have Clarence on the track because it just wouldn't feel right. And then Ron says, Ron just looks at him, he says, oh, I have that for you. And then he just like grabs it and splices it in. And they listen to it with this sax track from Clarence from a live performance. And Bruce just balls through the whole thing. 
just while they were listening it? to he it. Just, it was in his pocket. Well, Ron, Ron said he was he, he he had found it and he was planning to let Bruce listen to it while they were mixing it. And then Bruce oh, says so that it's going to be like a surprise. Yeah, and he was like, "Oh, hey, like okay. now that you bring that up, I actually do have that." And then it apparently like Bruce just like wept while they were listening to it. So it's like Ron was going to propose somewhere else, but then they were like at dinner on a mountaintop. And Bruce was like, isn't this the most special place we've ever been together? And Ron was like, I've got a ring in my pocket. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. <laughs> that's exactly what happened. <laughs> so that that is so this I is just love that picture of Ron do it like I was saving this, but I've got it. It's right here and I'm going to plug it in because it's already set up because I was going to give it to you. And Bruce just crying, you know, like at the board. That's yeah. a moment. It is a moment. Um, it's this, this song is magnificent. I, I love this song. I've seen him do it live and it is, I mean, there, there's electricity in the air when, when he does this song, it's just so good. I think it's like to be Jake playing this song. I would imagine it's very emotional. Well, in the record, because that other track is not like from the studio session with the rest of them, the land of hope and dreams with, with the, the track of, of, of Clarence playing sax. Sorry. <laughs> it, it almost feels like it's got a halo on it, you know, cause it's got that live reverb to it. Yeah feels a little bit like it's an angel like it, it feels like a little bit like it came down from the mix and not up in the mix you know <laughs> so it's it, it this song is so powerful and it's so good and it really i i think this punctuates this album so perfectly and then I oh mean, dude the last two minutes of church on this song is mm-hmm. is i mean this i have been to a lot of church services and this this uh last two minutes of the song are more church than 98% of those church services. <laughs> I'm not talking about live. I'm talking about just like just right now while I'm listening to it. <laughs> yeah, it's excellent. So then yeah. the the album proper closes not with Land of Hope and Dreams, but with something much smaller and more subdued, which is We Are Alive. There's a cross up yonder on Calvary Hill There's a slip of blood on silver night there's a graveyard kid down below Where at night did come to life And above the stars they crackle in fire A dead man's moon throws seven rings Well, we put This is a cool choice. Yeah, I so kind of we- wish I kind of wish this was actually the final song like you know uh, without the bonus tracks i i like yeah. this as sort of like the last word that that it doesn't end with like this because the rest of the album is very big and that we are alive is just sort of it's this small ish acoustic kind of insistence that yeah you threw everything you had at us but we got on the train we lived to fight another day we are alive and our souls will rise no matter what you throw yeah. at us it is it is a song of defiance and resilience and I think I think this would have been absolutely perfect as a as a final track. And you know, if you oh, um and the timpani the timpani and the whistles. Yeah. <laughs> and that ring of fire trumpet part. It's just yeah, it's like and nobody's mad at him for stealing it. No. <laughs> it's the same part. <laughs> it is. It absolutely is. There is no differentiation. But the fact that it feels like a song that you're thinking is gonna just gonna not it it goes from like this like little sad kind of thing into just whistles and timpani you know and that weird bass guitar i love it it's a very good song and i i actually i got to hear him do this one live too and that was it was very special it was really cool i bet 
Um, so then, so that's that's the end of the album proper. But then there are two bonus tracks. Ooh, and... Wait, hot take on "We Are Alive" real quick. Okay, this song does not exist if he never wrote the or if he never recorded the um, the live in Dublin. I mean, I would say that there's a lot of this album that probably was was born out of that time. <laughs> it's a good point, but this song doesn't exist at all. Yeah, that's probably without right. that. Yeah. Um. All right. So then. Uh, that's that's the end of the album proper, but then we have two bonus tracks, and the first bonus track, track 12, is Swallowed Up in the Belly of the Whale. I fell asleep On a dark and starless sea With nothing but the cloak Of God's mercy over me I come upon strangers. We covered this song and spent a lot of time talking about how this is basically a Tom Waits song. Yeah, I was just thinking that. I don't know why you, as like a really deep and new Tom Waits fan, don't like this song more. I mean, I think it's fine. I, I'm not. I'm not mad at it. I just don't. I, I don't, I don't Wait, think about it. If this is on a Tom Waits record, you would love it. Yeah, it's just. What did I give it? What was my rating? Three. I mean, yeah. It's, it's a three. Give it like a four or five. Nah, definitely not a five. I might give it a three and like, a half. He's never really done Tom Waits like this before, you know. I mean, he did Jersey Girl, which is literally a Tom Waits song. But he's never done a, a a song that sounded so much like Tom Waits. Like when he did Jersey Girl, it didn't sound as much like Tom Waits as this does. Nah, but this is <laughs> it is it's a good song. Um, but I just I don't know I don't I don't, I don't care that much about it. Um, right. I I will say. I mean, I, I understand why you didn't put it on the album proper because it's already we already have this depression and it's our, it's sort of hitting those same ideas and those beats. Yeah. And you don't want to you don't want to front load it so much to where the resilience is overpowered by by the first half. So, but at the same time, like once you've gotten through, we are alive. I've been through a whole journey. Like I've I've already gone through the emotional up and down of like express like experiencing the vulnerability and then going back up into the resilience going through land of hope and dreams we are alive and swallowed up in the belly of the whale it feels like we're sort of returning to a place we already like it's like it's like there's something we forgot and we had to go back and pick it up you know what i mean and so i i don't did you listen to records going to sleep when you were younger like cds sometimes sure and you would um lay there and sort of slowly drift off and then it would quit playing yeah. And you would be asleep, or so you thought. And then the bonus track would come on. And if it was, like, this is the perfect bonus track for that moment. <laughs> and that's what I love it for. <laughs> but there's another bonus track, so that doesn't work. Yeah, it, yeah. and so the final bonus track is American Land. Song we already have that from falling asleep to the whole, you know, like (laughs) yeah, with the temp with the um, orchestra bass drum. Anyway, yeah, and then American Land. Yeah, and and American Land, I I sort of feel the same way, which is like I already 
we already had a couple of different versions of this from live in Dublin and the extended seeker sessions. So like I, I didn't need another ver. I mean, it's, we, this is the first studio version of it, but at the same time, like I, yeah, don't get me wrong. It's great, but I love American land. Love it. Yeah. Put it earlier on the record. Maybe. Yeah, I think I, so. I don't know. Yeah. He totally could have put it earlier on the record. I think he it would have been fine it, earlier. Um, he could have put it after easy money or before easy money. I feel like Bruce Springsteen may be one of the only artists that I would go so far as to say, like, I wish he would never do bonus tracks because he so carefully curates his albums. I feel it's like true. every time the bonus, tra- every time he uses a bonus track with the exception of the wrestler, I feel like every time he uses a bonus track, it, it it's almost like he comes back around with something less poignant than he was originally going to end the album with, you know, like imagine darkness on the edge of town, having a bonus track and it, and it being, you know, like, candy's boy or you know what i mean like okay thank you for that but like that kind of took away from the final impact of the album you know right yeah basically all of his records are him saying something really profound to a room full of people who previously thought they disagreed with him and then his bonus tracks are him saying so put that in your pipe and smoke it <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's coming back for for like a victory lap when really like the the final track yeah. should have been the final word. Like that's why it's the final track. So I tend right. to, uh, which on most other albums, most other artists, they're just putting out a collection of, so I house for, for more songs, you know, like a collection of singles or whatever. But what Bruce yeah. is actually trying to say something. He's getting something. He's, he's better than that. And I, I, I think bonus tracks tr- typically don't serve him that well, you know? No. So anyway, that's, that's my take on it. Yeah. Maryland's good. It uh, is. We gave it, both gave it vibes, but just on the record, it's not. It's yeah. not great. Yeah, yeah. It, it it it. Yeah, I I prefer it in the um the live version from the um live in Dublin. I think is my favorite. So yes. Um. Anyway, I don't know. I like this one. Yeah, I like that one better. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so that's uh, that that's Wrecking Ball. So JB, final thoughts? Any um parting words here? It's one of the best records ever made. Give it a couple listens this week. You'll you know. You'll definitely agree. It's outstanding. It's outstanding. Outstanding. It's masterful in the way it's put together, except for it's just so wild. You know, it's like if they put a scene from from like Donald Duck just a little bit at the end of Godfather 2, you know? Yeah. It's like, (laughs) come on. But it's yeah, it's absolutely masterful. Yeah, it's great. I love this uh, this album. I'm I'm grateful. Burn for yourself it. a copy of it that doesn't have you got it on it, and you got yourself a perfect record. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's it's amazing that an artist at Bruce's age, with Bruce's body of work that was already behind him, like he did not need to make an album this good and this poignant, and he did. Oh. You know, and that's why I was drawn to him. It's like, oh, he still cares this much. Yeah. Wow. You know, it's like I haven't listened to a Rolling Stones record and been like, you know, since the early stuff and been like, whoa, you know, or Led Zeppelin or, you know, there's nobody like putting out just good stuff. You'd be hard pressed to find very many artists out there who have been recording for as long as Bruce and who are still saying things that are are worth listening to. Right. Like Aerosmith, uh, they didn't do it. And they also never said anything worth listening to their whole career. They just made great records that were fun to rock to. <laughs> I mean, you you can make the argument that like maybe Neil Young, you know, is is the other guy out there who who maybe has, Neil Young has been... is in no way has has in no way been as accessible as Bruce, and also as sort of profound. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's a kind of, a Neil Young fan out there would have been like, 
them's fighting words. But I, I agree with you. As a Bruce Springsteen no, fan, I no, agree with I you. No, I wouldn't. There. Neil Young is in no way as pop, like pop, pop music accessible. You know? I mean... While being as profound. I mean, I agree with you. I'm just saying that right. a, Neil Young fan a Neil Young would, fan would probably take issue with that statement. I don't know a Neil Young fan who would. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Anyway, I but yeah, it's it it's not easy to find songwriters out there who are still at this level doing doing anything this good. And I mean, 10, 20 years from now, we might be sitting here talking about how Pearl Jam became that. Like they're they're certainly on track for that kind of trajectory, but I mean, they just haven't been around as long. So it's hard to say That'd that. That'd be great. Right we get into them now. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're they're certainly in the middle of a career that looks like it's going to resemble that in some way, in a lot yeah. of specific ways. Yeah, um, but yeah, they're still it's it's we're, it's still a little early to say whether or not that's going to happen for Pearl Jam. But I, I I would not bet against them. Anyway, so yeah, Wrecking Ball <laughs> is a masterpiece and it's great. Absolutely. So listen to Wrecking Ball. Uh, no bonus episode this week. We're tired. Yes, we had some other stuff this week. We did. Um. I'm I'm, glad, I'm just glad but, we had made an episode this week. I was I had my doubts. So yeah, um, yeah. But um, you know it's going to be here. It's yeah. Good to, uh, I'm excited to get the. Every time we record, I'm excited about when this posts. Like who's going to say what back? So well, and good. also JB, something very significant. We have one episode left in season two. High Hopes is the last album on this lap. Oh wow! Yeah. Is it really? It is. Well, because yeah, because like all, the only thing left. After that are like the ties the bind, which is a box set. We've already covered most of that content, and then Western Stars, which is you know like we're going to cover that on the next in the next season. Mm, yeah, that's right. You know? So we're not going to do it now. Yeah, and then Letter to You, which we haven't even heard yet. So um, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, so we're really about to do this. Yeah, yeah, man. We're we're about to we're about we got some plans. Yeah, we do. We got to we got to figure out what's what things are going to look like. So uh, there are some spreadsheets in our future. Absolutely, there are. I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> all right. Well, all right. thank you all for listening. And um, register to vote. Yes, and, please. And um, please. And, yeah. And, look, if you don't think it works, then do it for me. <laughs> if you Specifically, if you live in Pennsylvania, uh, Florida, or Ohio, uh, please, please yeah. vote. Yeah, we'll see everybody next time. Uh, you'll, you'll hear from us next Hope time. Hope you all do it, well. And we'll talk about high hopes. Mm-hmm.